Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, this is J.C. Sherbert. Here with you, November 17th. It's a Tuesday. I want to welcome you in. Thank you for joining us. Uh, All all of a sudden, there's a ton to talk about. Obviously, we had the emergency podcast. Will Muschamp fired on Sunday. Uh, Skipped yesterday. I spent all day on the phone. You know, when you work uh, sources and you've got a website like that, like the Big Spur, you know, we're trying to get the latest stuff up and out. Um, And figured, you know, since we had one, I don't think we dropped that thing Sunday night until like 1230. So I uh, want to make sure I get you guys an episode every day. Uh, bear with me as far as the times go, just because, you know, if I get up and, and my phone's blowing up and I got to answer text and track things down, like this morning I spent an hour tracking down uh, a potential James Franklin candidacy at South Carolina um, because of a tweet Jordan Rogers sent. So things like that kind of get there. And, and I've been trying to find the time to get to do this, but <coughs> excuse me, we'll have something uh, on this and on the search uh, every day this week. So anyway, uh, th- that's kind of the deal here. Uh, so lots to get to Mike Bobo, interim head coach. Um, and I want to say this, there are some, yeah, I mean, there's some people out there that for some reason don't, don't think Mike Bobo is doing a good job and, I think it's because a lot of people don't like the style of quarterback Colin Hill is. Yeah, believe me, it's, it's you know, as far as watching football goes, it, it's not uh, the style of quarterback back play that I, I necessarily like either. Um, so I get that, but uh, you got to do what's effective. Uh, and, and so I think Bobo gets some of the criticism for that. Look, guys, here's the bottom line. This team's not moving the ball or scoring points if Mike Bobo's not calling plays. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where an SEC football team has one receiver that everybody in the country knows you've got to stop when you're talking about stopping South Carolina's offense, yet he gets seven to ten catches a game because he's being schemed open. I mean, that's that's a, that's the kind of stuff Steve Spurrier used to do, um, except Spurrier had, you know, four, three or four guys, you know. Um, there are some years early on at Carolina where he had like two, Kenny McKinley and – Sidney Rice, and that was kind of it. But, you know, let's back up here, you know, and and not think that, you know, Bobo was anywhere close to what the problem was on this football team. Um, And and on top of that, too, I I could also make a case for, like, Bobby Bentley taking over as the interim. Uh, If there were eight games left and, you know, Bobby's going to kind of work in his offense, uh, which is different and, you know, you kind of go with a new day and, and, and he has a shot at the job or something like that. But th- this is just three games. Um, okay, Carolina actually does have a game this weekend. They play Missouri at, at 7.30 Saturday night, uh, you know, and, and all three games are important. Uh, not for like the future of the program now, since we know that's been settled and there'll be a new football coach. But, you know, look, the Missouri game, you get a trophy. Um, and if you're going to give a trophy, uh, then maybe you want to win. And you know what? The the Missouri Tigers have the trophy right now. And so I think it'd be good for the new coach. Um, it's not anything earth-shattering, but uh, you know, to have that trophy in Columbia, you know, because I, I think that if if you're going to make a deal out of it like that, you, you need to go try to win the game. And certainly, you know, 
Carolina's capable of beating Missouri. I understand why they're underdogs uh, with the players opting out. We're going to that for a second, but uh, you want to win. Obviously, every year South Carolina wants to beat Georgia. Why would you not? Um, and obviously, uh, I think everybody associated with the South Carolina football program is sick of losing to Kentucky last year's win notwithstanding. You know, so 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 these are SEC East standard games uh, down the stretch, and you know Carolina needs to go win. It's not gonna, like I said, you know nobody's coaching for their job or anything like that, but you know Carolina needs to go win. And you know, quite frankly, I think Mike Bobo is doing everything he can as a head coach now uh, to try to ensure that that happens. Um, you know, meeting with the team, uh, calling some people out that, that needed to be uh, called out. Uh, you know, making some changes that needed to be made. And, and, and some guys that wanted to opt out, opted out, you know, and, and that's their right this year, you know, with the COVID-19 thing. And, and look, that's the rule this year. And, you know, I, it, it's a situation where, sure, these guys aren't opting out because of COVID right now. Um, Izzy McQuamu and uh, J.C. Horn said they're going to prepare for the draft. I don't know why R.J. Roderick is opting out. Uh, he hadn't been playing very well, uh, and I feel bad for him because they moved in a linebacker or a linebacker-type role last week and struggled there too. Micaiah Scott, a true freshman defensive tackle who never played, has opted out. Um, and, and, and so that's fine, you know, but but I think that, it, you know, you, you need the guys that want to be there if you're going to have any kind of success in the last three games, which which would make everybody feel better. You know, because like I said, uh, it's not going to really impact the season. I mean, you know, Carolina could still get to a bowl, which I, I, I judging from Ray Tanner's comments, I think though, I think they'd accept it if they could get to one. Um, but you know, you, you don't want to have a two-game losing streak against Missouri. You don't want to lose six out of seven to Kentucky, and, and you want to beat Georgia every time you play them. So. You know, th- these next three games are, are important individual games for the University of South Carolina, although they're not going to change the trajectory of the program or save anybody's job or anything like that. Um, really enjoyed Mike Bobo's press conference. Uh, he also, you know, had the news that Aaron Sterling and Brad Johnson are out for the year. Um, I wasn't one that minded Muschamp's press conferences because I I, I kind of like hearing guys talk about ball and, you know, for a guy like me, I like that, you know. I know for fans it's frustrating because he wasn't forthcoming with the injuries and, you know, played a little gamesmanship and stuff like that. Uh, Bobo, different direction, brutal honesty today from Mike Bobo in the press conference. Uh, so he mentioned that, that Sterling's out for the year and Brad Johnson's out for the year. Uh, and I think with the red shirt rules, you get those guys back. Um I don't know what the new staff will do with Brad Johnson. I think moving him to Sam has not worked out like people thought. Um, maybe he's an end, uh, you know. And then uh, Aaron Sterling, I think, even though he's a senior, could probably still come back and, and he could be, you know, he's a useful guy, uh, especially on passing down. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe they transfer. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. But uh, – very refreshing to hear Mike Bobo be honest about everything, and, and that's just kind of who he is. Uh, and from what I understand, very honest with the team and the other coaches in the meeting um, about, 
you know, some of the things that have kind of been going on that, that probably lead to performances on the field not being all that good. Um, and I think that's good because, I, you know, Mike Bobo's, you know, not going to get the job, the head coaching job, barring something crazy like the Gamecocks go and blow out Missouri and Kentucky and beat Georgia by two touchdowns. I think maybe at that point you go, well, wait a minute. But um, that's probably not going to happen. Um, but but I think that, you know, some of these guys needed to hear it from somebody. And, and I've sat here and racked my brain about the Will Muschamp era and why it didn't work out at Florida and why it didn't work out at South Carolina. And the more I start to dig, the the, the only thing, and I don't even want to – I don't want to present this as fact because it, it's still in the speculation phase. Because, But I've heard it from enough people to know um, that, that at least some folks – felt like there was a lot of emphasis on getting individual guys ready for the next league. And they sold that in recruiting. They sold that with the program. And quite frankly, they've done a dang good job of it. Um, but, but I've said many times, you know, and, and the person I'm, you know, the three people I've talked to said, you know, includes the folks that kind of were there during the transition is, you know, whereas Muschamp is great with individual players, which is why they all love him. He's there for his players. He will do anything for you, all that good stuff. You know, as far as coaching a team goes and focusing on the team winning, and I'm not saying Muschamp didn't focus on the team winning. That, that would have been dumb. But, you know, just kind of like the culture of the program was more, you know, all about the team and the team going to win. Uh, and the NFL will take care of itself rather than the individual development and stuff like that. I, now, now, look, I don't know. You know, when you're two and five and things have not gone well and your coach gets fired, people start, you know, looking for a reason to blame. That, that, that's the, the – but of all the, the theories about Muschamp and why it didn't work out, that, that's probably one of the most plausible ones because you do have a lot of situations. I mean, look, South Carolina – you look at the passing yards they've given up the last three weeks and the, the defense getting gutted. And then all of a sudden you have your two starting corners, both underclassmen who, who say, I'm not only opting out, I'm opting out to prepare for the draft and they'll probably both get drafted. So, um, you know, you know, think about it for a minute. I mean, I, it's, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. You know, it's interesting that Keyshawn Nixon's playing for the Raiders when he didn't really perform all that well and was on one of the worst defenses South Carolina's had prior to this year. Interesting that Rashad Fenton's playing. Chris Lamont, I mean, you know, you, you go through the list. I mean, here's something telling, too, guys, and this is probably on Kurt Roper. Uh, think about this, uh, you know, and when we, talk, when we talk about Mike Bobo and the need – to, to get in the eye formation and, and pound ground and pound the other night. Uh, South Carolina beat NC state 2017, Jake Bentley, I thought made some great plays, Debo, all that good stuff. Um, South Carolina's offense lined up with Jake Bentley at quarterback who, if they ever play a game at Utah this year, and you know, he's probably going to get drafted. Um, Hayden Hurst, first round draft pick at tight end. Debo Samuel, second-round draft pick, starter in the Super Bowl, one receiver. Brian Edwards, who started for the Raiders this year. Uh, and what what was he, a third-round draft pick and another receiver. And then Shai Smith, who's probably played his way into the third or fourth round 
at the, at the third receiver. Um, plus, on the offensive line, Dennis Daly wasn't starting yet, but he was part of that group. Uh, and then Zach Bailey and many, many others. <laughs> so, you know, look at the talent that was on that 2017 team in Muschamp's second year. And, you know, even after Debo went down, um, and, and if you think about the Kentucky game, they were having trouble scoring before Debo went down. Um, I mean, it's coaching malpractice. You know, it's kind of a waste of talent. And, and so, you know, that, that's kind of a plausible theory. I'm, I'm not saying I completely buy it yet. I want to do more research. But I have had some conversations with people that think that was, that was it. Going to do a post-mortem on the Muschamp uh, era <clears throat> probably this week on the Bixper.com. So everybody can kind of look at it. I mean, I feel like I need to write something since I was in favor of the hire and defended him uh, for a long time. Uh, so that's that. So anyway, so again, McQuamu's out. Uh, and, and some were, some were saying that's Carolina's two starting corners. Johnny Dixon's really been starting a corner for most of the year. It's one starting corner, one guy that kind of comes in that's been hurt all year anyway. Um Roderick, starting safety, linebacker, whatever, he was a starter, so he's out. Um, and then the other guys aren't, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, Micaiah Scott was going to play uh, hardly at all. They did make some position moves. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, who started at offensive guard last year a bunch, um, yeah, he came back after opting out. They moved him to defensive line. You know, he's 315, 320 pounds. Uh, you know, what do I think about Jordan Rhodes as a defensive lineman? I don't know. Uh, they need some beef in there, though, <laughs> you know. Uh, and if he can get in there and play, great. Uh, I think he's athletic enough. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. And there's a Quandre White, uh, third-team running back. <clears throat> really, you know, I think this surprised a lot of people within the program. You know, he, he was hurt, and he kind of fell behind Fenwick and Harris, and – and now he's not, but but man, he can't catch those guys because those guys have just turned it on. I mean, those guys are playing at a high level. Uh, and so he's going to go over to safety. Now, what Bobo said was, you know, he wants to play running back. He is a running back. And I think he's going to be a running back. Uh, but he's also a really good team player and a guy that, uh, you know, does everything they ask him to do. He's been the gunner on the punt team, really playing well. He's enthusiastic. Um, you know, can he learn safety in a week? You know, are, are they going to make him do all the checks that the safeties normally do? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what T-Rob's going to do as far as, you know, simplifying things. <clears throat> but they got to get him over there and, and got to get him to play. Uh, you're going to see Cam Smith take a lot of reps. And, and, and here's the thing and why – even if Cam Smith gets beat and all that, here's why this is a good thing. Cam Smith, since, you know, a less than stellar outing against Tennessee, has progressively been getting better. And he's a guy that, you know, is still coming on. The talent's there. So so this these last three games are a great opportunity for him to just go play. And the more he plays, the better he's going to get. Uh, same with Johnny Dixon. Uh, and then they're talking about, you know, mixing Joey Hunter in there um, on the back end. So, you know, we'll see kind of how that uh, happens there. So that's all the team news. Uh, again, uh, I think that it's hard to concentrate on the game this weekend, but uh, 
Uh, I will say that now that there's going to be a coaching change, you, you guys could probably just relax and watch it. You know, there, there's no pressure because you know change is coming regardless. I, I know that just from a watching standpoint, uh, I thought that those six games Sean Elliott coached in, in 2015 were – that was the most fun I'd had in a while watching Carolina football, you know, because it they, they got, the team competed well. They responded well to Sean. Um, that team was really going nowhere. Uh, they won a game against Vandy. They, they played A&M and Tennessee very tough, competitive. Uh, played Florida tough. Um, you know, that Citadel thing was embarrassing. Uh, but then the Clemson game, they fought their butts off. You know, that's the last time Carolina was really, for the entire game, competitive with the Tigers. I know they were competitive in the first half of 2018. But, um, you know, the, and I had fun. I went to some games. I, I went to a couple of gourmet gents tailgate parties uh, for the Florida and Clemson game at the time. And, you know, I had a blast. And that's the last time I've had fun watching Carolina football. I mean, honest to God, it just – the whole must-champ era has been like pulling teeth. Um, and, and part of it is because, yeah, I believe that the guy was going to do a good job. Uh, and I believe that he would run a different offense than he ran at Florida. And I, I didn't expect him to bring Kurt Roper when I first uh, advocated for the job. And then I kind of you know looked at what Roper was on paper and I defended that. I defended the BMAC hire and that was working out until it wasn't um, in 2019. Uh, and then at the end of last year, I thought he should have been fired. I thought, you know, Ray Tanner needed to seriously consider it. And, you know, when they didn't and they were just going to make changes, I was like, well, okay, you know, if you're going to have him make changes, if he can get it back to 500, then this is really a two-year deal because, you know, you got to give Bobo time to kind of install his offense and all that. Um and and turns out, you know, they probably should have made a change at the end of last year, uh, just to be honest, because the same guys, you know, are probably that are in the mix now. We're going to be in the mix then too. Um, but you know, who knows? That that twenty twenty class may be good enough to where the new coach can build on it or whatever. You know, opt outs and transfers uh, potentially aside, I, I I tend to think that the sooner they get a new coach in the less chance you're going to see mass transfers. But, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how all that goes. On the coaching search, lots of names out there, big-time names that, you you know, it's the only big-time job open right now. Um, and coaches are smart and agents are smart, and they'll float a name out there with no intention of taking the job. And, you know, the, the other school will say, oh, all right, well, let's give you a couple million more. The most interesting name I've seen floated, uh, and this guy has a great contract. If he gets fired, he gets $40 million, uh, is James Franklin from Penn State. Uh, and Jordan Rogers, who was his quarterback at Vandy, floated that name. Now, you know, if Jordan Rogers didn't know James Franklin from Adam, uh, I would have thought nothing of it and thought, man, here's another ESPN guy recklessly speculating but there's a reason he did that. Now, my theory on this is, is James, you, you don't, you don't, if you're from Pennsylvania and that's your home and you got the Penn State job, you don't leave Penn State for South Carolina. You know, maybe you want warmer climates and you take Texas or Southern Cal 
you know, which may be a step up because at Texas and Southern Cal, you're not in the Big Ten East. Of course, South Carolina's not in the, a, a division as tough as the Big Ten East either. So you're not beating your head against the wall. Uh, you got to know James Franklin. He was at Vandy during the, the glory years at South Carolina. He couldn't beat the Gamecocks. He beat everybody else. Um, you know, so, so you know he's probably got a good opinion of the program. Um, but, but what I think is, is – so one time, Les Miles almost went to Arkansas. <laughs> um, and he's friends with the AD that was at Arkansas at the time, Jeff Long, who's now the AD at Kansas, and that's where Les Miles is, is at Kansas. And um, so, so they're friends, and, and, and they went down the road quite a ways. And it looked for a while like Les Miles was going to leave LSU for Arkansas. Because at the time, I think they were hitting one of those eight and five, you know, ruts at LSU or whatever, and he wasn't feeling appreciated. This is how I kind of feel, you know, if it's at all serious about James Franklin. Uh, I think he's 0-4 he's right now. Uh, they've had a ton of players opt out, leave, whatever, which is rare for his teams because he's got a great relationship with his ball players and, um, you know, all that. It, it, you know, they're 0 and 4. They're, they're struggling. Um, and the Nittany Lions fans are, are probably sitting there, you know, the, the Matt Rule's success. Let's just put it this way Matt Rule's success does not help James Franklin. Uh, and I know rules with the Panthers right now. In fact, guys, if you go back in time and you, you could go back and shake Ray Tanner or shake his hand or look at him in the eye, you know, if I had a time machine, I would go back to 2015, and, and this is the guy he missed, okay? This is the others. And, and, and look, I don't think if you hire this guy that anybody at Carolina is going to get excited. But he should have gotten in the plane, on the plane, or taken one of those – I guess it was U.S. Airways then. It's it's American now. American Airlines flights from Charlotte Douglas to Philly International. Get off, get in the car with a contract or a bag full of cash or whatever. Go to Temple University and hire Matt Rule. <laughs> Matt Rule may be one of the best coaches in all of football. Um, and and I and I I liked him when he was at Temple because. You know, Temple for a while, they've had, you know, Al Golden, Steve Adazio, you know, I guess Manny Diaz was there for a cup of coffee. Uh, but, but Temple's been sort of overachieving for a while in football, and Matt Rule was like the latest guy to do it. But something about his Temple teams were just a little bit better, you know, than, than, than maybe some of the others. But, but what he did at Baylor after, you know, he had to take a 2-10 and 10 season on the chin. Uh, but then in two, within two years, they're in the Big 12 championship game <laughs> again. Uh, and then he got the Panthers job. You know, so, so if there's a coach out there that was interested in the job that probably would have taken it in 2015, um, th- that was high group of five and not a Mac coach, because like guys like Matt Campbell and P.J. Fleck were in the Mac at the time. Um, it was Matt Rule. Matt Rule. And uh, – you know, he was a, he's a Penn State grad. So I think they've been pissed off about that at Penn State for a long time. So I don't see if anything – I don't think anything's coming of the James Franklin thing. I just thought, you know, the only reason I would even bring it up is because of Jordan Rodgers um, and the fact that he played for James at Vanderbilt. He's, he was his quarterback, and I just don't think one of your former players is going to throw that out there just for the heck – just for craps and giggles. But um, 
I, I think it's probably if there's anything, any kind of interest at all, it's like the, when Les Miles wasn't feeling loved and, you know, wanted to throw his name out for a job because things are not really all that good at Penn State. My opinion if for, if, if, if for some reason the stars have aligned and James Franklin just has always wanted to be at South Carolina and he's tired of the cold and wants to get in another division, um, if you can hire James Franklin, I think you hire James Franklin. Um, I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a guy that checks my box uh, of more with less. I mean, the guy won back-to-back nine-win seasons at Vandy and went to three bowls. And when he got to Penn State, they were still reeling with the probation and the scholarships and he won immediately and started recruiting up there. Well, they were, became a recruiting power again. And, you know, they've been nationally relevant again for, you know, for his entire tenure. Um, so whereas Penn state is a blue blood, he didn't step in necessarily to a blue blood type situation because of, you know, what happened up there and all that. So uh, anyway, when I, I'm not going to spend the whole thing talking about James Franklin, um, if you ask me right now, and we're in we're in the second day of this search. I mean, we, we're really you had Sunday night the firing went down all day Monday, and we're really in day two. So so, so there's a lot of vetting going on. Uh, there's a lot of interest. You know, you got to weed out who are the guys that are ATMing you. And look, the AT don't don't get mad at Ray Tanner um, for interviewing or showing interest in a guy that, that then goes and signs a big deal at his, his old school. That's just the way the game is played. Um, you know, and you, you could parlay that, you know, that, that's how coaches do. I mean, that's how they get better deals and their agents get better deals. And like I said, South Carolina is the only job open right now. Uh, so obviously there's going to be a lot of interest. Uh, but, but I think when you sift through it, when you look at, you know, there, there's guys that, you know, like your James Franklin's of the world or Mario Cristobal or whoever that probably would not take the job. They may feign some interest. And then there's guys at the bottom, um, you know, like like Will Healy from Charlotte that's probably not quite ready to take it. Uh, but in case of emergency, break glass. Uh, and then there's that sweet spot in the middle. And the sweet spot right now, and this is right now, uh, consist of Billy Napier, Hugh Freeze, Shane Beamer, and Jamie Chadwell. Um, I think with Chadwell and Freeze both, there's, you know, obviously there's been some NCAA issues. I think Freeze is the higher hurdle. Uh, I would not call Freeze likely. Uh, I just think that the vetting process is going to be too much. Um, the SEC is not standing in the way of anybody hiring him in the league, according to the league office. But, you know, I, you kind of look at everything that went on at Ole Miss that everybody knows about, and then there's probably a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about, but you can not you can get that info that are probably going to derail him. Um, and, it, it, you know, if it were just the, you know, the ladies of the night on the university phone and lying about it, you know, to me, you know, do I think that's right when you have a family and all that morally? No. But who am I to judge? Um, and, you know, this, this is about winning football games. And, and, you know, there are a lot of people in, in this business that aren't saints. Um, and if he's cleaned all that up and cleaned his personal life up and his family's forgiven him, you know, I, I think you can get by them. You can overlook that. Um, the NCAA stuff, 
is different because there there was a lot of defiance on the part of Ole Miss when that happened. And you just kind of wonder what else was out there and what else was going on, you know, because what you tend to do is, you know, you fall on the sword for the things they have you dead to write on. Um, and then there's some other stuff that doesn't get noticed. And and when you go through an intense vetting process, like, like, mo- like all coaches do, you know, background checks essentially. Um, and that's why you hire a search firm, you know, to do all that, you know, those things tend to come up. So, so that's the thing uh, with, uh, you know, with Hugh Freeze. I, you know, like I haven't been told to rule him out completely, but I've also been told that it, you know, it, it's going to be tough to get him past vetting. Um, and I've also been told that he may not even be interested in the job. You know, that that, that extension at Liberty was the reason he floated his name out there because the stuff that he, they wrote at ESPN and CBS – that was from the freeze Hugh freeze camp. That wasn't from South Carolina. And so, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe they floated that out there to get a better deal. At Liberty Liberty certainly has the money to pay uh, anybody they want. So, so that's that, you know, I mean, you know, so, so, you know, if you ask me who are the two most likely candidates right now, uh, and I don't know that this picture will be clear until the end of a couple of weeks, it's probably Beamer and, Napier, but we'll see who else pops up on the board, you know, and, and you never know. One guy I don't think it will be is Jeff Monken from Army. Uh, I know that President Caslin has a high opinion of him, and he should. That guy's a winner. He's a good coach, um, but he's a triple option guy. It's like hiring uh, Paul Johnson. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how I think that would go would be about how you think it would go. Uh, wins and losses. Yeah, I think South Carolina could, you know, you're running into a triple option team in the SEC. I mean, special prep, you're not going to see it all the time. But uh, I also think when when, when his time was over, uh, you know, because when you run triple option, you try to do it in the SEC. And I always thought Vanderbilt should do this. You know, Vanderbilt, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they're not getting overly talented guys anyway. You know, they could piece that together and, and be a pain in the rear for a long, long time. South Carolina, you know, you're not going to get a skilled guy out of this. I mean, you, you know, guys are going to be pouring from the state into, you know, North Carolina, Tennessee, you know, whatever. Uh, and and I, I just don't think that's conducive. You know, would they win? Yeah, I think I think you probably win more than they should. But when he when he leaves, you know, go watch Georgia Tech, see how limited they are athletically uh, with Jeff Collins. I mean, Jeff Collins is a good enough coach; he can kind of, you know, when they play really well, they he can scheme it up and they can win. But th- that's a long rebuild because of that. So I don't, I don't think it'll be Jeff Mocking. If it is, um, I may just cover basketball and baseball from now on. <laughs> yeah, that's how strongly I feel about that. And nothing against Mocking, great coach. But not not a guy for South Carolina, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so that's the search. You know that that's where it stands right now. Giving it to you as best I can, uh, as far as the the candidates. You know, I, I think that when you look at the list and you kind of look down the list and you you, you look at uh, many of the options, I, I think South Carolina will end up with uh, a young up and coming 
offensive minded coach, you know, and, and whether that's a CEO style like Beamer or maybe Napier is going to do or a Chadwell that brings his own system. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, and, and that's good. You know, I think that, you know, the, the, this is the time for South Carolina, given the resources they've put into the program. Uh, it's time for them to get a riser, you know, and, and I, I think it can be done. So, uh, you know, so there's the search. There's the search. And I have mailbag questions out the wazoo. And so I'm going to get to those right now. By the way, if, if do it, I, I didn't talk about it, but do – do yourself a favor. And um, it's uh, go to YouTube and watch Connor Shaw's press conference today. Uh, Shaw is the quarterback's coach now. So Muschamp leaves. That leaves an opening on the staff. So they move Connor on the field. So seriously, yeah, go watch that. That's all I'm going to say about that. He, uh, he kind of gets it. He knows what it's like to be a Gamecock and, you know, you guys will feel a lot better about that. All right. So at the Big Spur Pod, tweet at that or follow that Twitter account. That's how you get – that's one way you can get uh, some, um, you know, questions answered. Uh, or, you know, you can uh, you can roll inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And we've got a bunch of them. And some of these – Came in kind of before the game because, you know, we didn't do mailbag during the emergency pod. So I'll answer them as best I can. Um, and then, you know, I'll start with the ones on Twitter as always. Uh, Joe Sports Caller says, wouldn't it be a cool narrative to hire Chadwell? North Greenville to Charleston Southern to Coastal South Carolina. Yeah. Works his way up in the state. Has um, – a dynamic offense. I think that's one of the most unique offensive schemes in the country. Uh, young, energetic guy. You know, there's questions about, you know, some NCAA stuff at Charleston Southern. Um, you know, Coastal does not necessarily all the time endear itself in football to some of the uh, the um, high school coaches in the state because they, they sometimes they look out of state when – you know, maybe they shouldn't. Um, what kind of staff would he put together? Those are the questions. I'm not. I'm not knocking the guy or saying no. I'm just those are the questions with Chadwell. But yeah, it would be. And and look, man, when you look at the personnel on the roster, you know, you're running. Can you imagine that system if they, if they went and got two or three receivers with Luke Doty, Marshawn Lloyd, and Kevin Harris, and the line? I mean, that'd be tough to stop. You know, so he'd be off to a great start offensively. Um, next one, uh, Justin. All the talk today about Muschamp being fired. Former and current players on Twitter saying things got me thinking. Is firing Muschamp making any difference in the next three games? Is T-Rob going to call a completely different defense? No. Um, well, look, I, I don't. I don't. Let me back up. I don't know that for sure. You know. Well, T-Rob sort of look at it as a situation where, you know, because there's always, whenever you work for a Will Muschamp and you're his DC, there's always the talk, well, it's, it's really Muschamp calling it. Just like with Steve Spurrier when you're offensive court, you know, well, it's really Spurrier calling it or whoever. You get that a lot. So does he simplify things and, 
you know, hope and pray that the defense plays better and, and that'll help his career moving forward. Cause I don't think he's coming. He's not going to be back at South Carolina. Um, you know, so it, will it be a completely different defense? No. I, I, if I were him, I would simplify. And I would also blitz and take chances. Uh, you know, nothing exotic, but I, I would come after Bezalak, the, the Missouri quarterback. And, you know, you can't really do any worse giving up explosive plays than you did the other night. So may as well gamble and try to, try to, you know, take a chance now with, with McQuamu and Horn out. I don't know. Maybe you don't gamble, uh, but that's it. But yeah, no, you know, I, I don't, I don't think, you know, with, the, with, the, and, and with the players, let, let me just say this. I, I don't blame the players for being upset. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, they're well within their rights to be upset. Um, it's their coach. They obviously love the guy. Came to South Carolina to play for him. Uh, I don't care for some of the the comments, like you know, about the history of the program. You know, that's a that's a that's a narrative that schools that recruit against the Gamecocks and that are rivals with the Gamecocks use over and over. You know, seven out of whatever, and, and Muschamp has only one of not one nine win season. Yeah, he did. And and I was all on board with that. And yeah, he did win more games first three years than any coach in South Carolina history. But the bottom line, man, is you know you're what six and thirteen. You know, and and then you're eight and sixteen. That means you've lost two thirds of your games overall. You know, since since you lost in the swamp back at back in 2018, which was the turning point. Eight and sixteen. That, that's not. You know, look, I'd understand it, you know, if, if, you know, he's sitting there and they fire him after going 500 and getting to a bowl, you know, or, you know, last year he went six and six, and then maybe this year because, you know, the the bottom falls out because of the all-SEC schedule or whatever, you know, I I don't think you fire him. It's It's the cumulative effect really that started at the end of 2018, went all the way through 2019 and went into bled into this year. The program's trending in the wrong direction. Uh, for those of you that want to talk about history, this is the worst stretch of Carolina football wins and loss wise since the late nineties when the program lost 24 out of 25 football games. So the players, you know, yeah, that's the, that's the old 140 year history or whatever, but when you're talking about recent history, which since two, you know, 2000 was 99, 2000, when they hired Holtz, um, that's really when people, st- the, the, the university started putting more money into it, understanding they're in the SEC uh, and they have to catch up. And, and that was a big, long process to get everything facilities wise called up, you know? And, and so when you look at that period, there's been very few losing seasons. And so many people, players, former players, former coaches, uh, administrators, you know, everybody have worked too hard. They've worked too hard uh, for all that time to get the program to where, you know, a bowl game is is an average year. Um, And that's everybody from Holtz to Spurrier. You know, Savelle Newton chimed in yesterday on it to – you know, Stephen Garcia to Connor Shaw to Melvin Ingram, you know, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, everybody, you know, even guys like, uh, you know, 
Kawan Lewis, uh, who played linebacker there on some of those good teams, or a guy like Busta Anderson, who I know from down in Atlanta, who was a really good tight end. Those guys were all part of that run. And those guys set the standard, and they worked too hard. They worked too hard for the standard to slip based on, oh, well, you know, whatever happened for 140 years. That's not the standard today. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting. Some of Muschamp's guys were out there like that. And I understand they're hurt and they lost their coach. And I'm not mad at them. They're just lashing out. But it's also quite telling, like, you know, if you hear from a Spurrier-era player on this subject, it's one of two things. It's either silence or it's, you know, like Steven Garcia said, what's this about seven games? He's like, how are you going to even play football and not to want to expect to win every single football game? You know, so that's interesting about that. Jordy Tao eats in big spur pod. Hey, JC, I know this question is going to be asked many times, but with Muschamp gone um, and Bobo's future undecided, do you think Shaw being part of the future staff will be enough to maintain Gunnar Stockton? I believe it is. I also think you got to look out for other schools, though, because the, the, the Bobo and Shaw thing was so strong. Um, and, and he does have relations with both of them. But, you know, Connor Shaw – uh, was Gunnar Stockton's idol. And so, you know, I I I would believe Carolina be in good shape there unless, like, unless they just hire somebody that, that Stockton doesn't job with. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, right now they're they're in pretty good shape with that. They're going to lose some players. Uh, I think Trenelius Tatum's going someplace else. I think uh, George Wilson will probably flip somewhere. Um, you know, there, there's some guys that they're going to lose out of this class, but but that's just part of it. That's just part of it. And I, and I don't think you, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think the 2020 class was a reason to keep the coach. So I certainly don't think 2021 is the reason. And, and, you know, one guy leaves, that's another spot for the new guy to kind of fill. Uh, Chuck says, you may have already talked about this, but I saw the odds for the next head coach. Um, about par for what I expected, but was surprised that Jeff Monkin was third highest above Chadwell and Beamer. Didn't even make the list. I know it's early, but that's so, did that surprise you? There's um, there are new odds uh, that Bet.us came out, and it took it took Monken off the list, and Beamer was up like it was Napier three to one, Hugh Freeze four to one, Beamer five to one. Now, look, those odds are usually pretty good, but, you know, don't take that as gospel or as any kind of pecking order uh, right now. So thank you, Chuck, for your outstanding tweet. All right, so going back <laughs> to the mailbag, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, Jeremy says, I really appreciate your rational take on anything, everything you're honestly the only Gamecocks podcast I listen to and trust completely. Thank you. With all that said, I want your logical take on where this year would be with no pandemic. It'd be awesome if you could give a game-by-game win-loss of the old schedule. I can do the first four because I have those in, in my memory. Um, and, you know, if anybody needed the normal schedule, it was Will Muschamp. Because, look, Coastal ended up being a really good team, 
I don't think Coastal comes to Columbia and beats the Gamecocks in the season opener. I just don't. Um, you know, maybe it's a shocker, but I mean, they went out and beat Kansas, but you know, <laughs> I, uh, I just don't think that happens. Um, and I don't think East Carolina comes in and beats the Gamecocks. I think they're two and oh, and then Missouri comes to town and I think the Gamecocks beat Missouri and then they go at Kentucky, which would be a toss up. So there's a chance to start four and I also think playing Tennessee later in the season would have been better than playing them in the opener when at the time they kind of had a horseshoe up their butt because they had won seven straight games. So when you look at it, you know, th- that was unfortunate. And I, d- I do think that, you know, South Carolina would probably have been in a lot better shape because you'd had those gimme wins. Um, at the same time, uh, I, I think it was not just, you know, Muschamp's fired not just because of that they lost, but how they lost. You know, you go to LSU, LSU has not rushed for 100 yards in any game all year. They're struggling. They're reeling. They have COVID issues. They have opt-outs. And you go down there and you give up 261 yards rushing. You know, you have a week off, A&M comes to town. You're not even competitive on either side of the ball against your permanent opponent from the other division. Uh, and then you go to Ole Miss, and your offense gets it together because Ole Miss defense is terrible. Um, and, uh, you know, you have the lead in the fourth quarter, and basically Lane Kiffin makes fun of you and punks you by throwing his clipboard with a 90-yard touchdown pass uh, because you get you can't play defense. Uh, and you give up, what, 1,700 yards in three games. I mean, you know uh, – there were there were some leaks in the dam, but this was this was a full breach, you know, these last three games. And it was the same old, same old. Just like last year when they beat Georgia, and then they, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Uh, and, and that was just a pattern that continued that had to stop. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I do think though, with in an alternate universe with that schedule, so um, you know, that that's crazy. Uh, all right. Some of this is pregame, Dale. Because uh, because it's before Ole Miss, um, you know, another one's before the coaching change. Um, Noah says Kevin Harris had a monster game. He has more rushing touchdowns in one game than Penn State has had all season. Maybe that's why uh, James Franklin wants out. I don't know. Uh, Hudson says, tough loss. Kevin Harris looked good. He says, where do we go from here? What are the best steps to riding with the ship, with or without Muschamp at the helm? Well, I I would have told you at the time, make a change. Uh, doesn't have to be uh, crazy, you know. All right, Derek says, JC first. Kevin Harris is awesome. Again, Kevin Harris, 243 yards, five touchdowns. Wish they'd have left him in to get the record. But um, He says Fenwick played really well. All the line played well. Defense is awful. Have individuals that play well but not a cohesive unit. Yeah, that's a problem. First and ten in the first quarter when the guy was wide open was ridiculous. Get off the field. You know, in the last three games, not counting end of halves, uh, opposing offenses have had 29 possessions and scored 21 touchdowns. Yeah, it's crazy. Hard to believe. T. Rob needs to he needs to just simplify things. I mean, it, that's a very 
very, very complex defense from what I'm told. And the guys, the guys just look confused. And, you know, you're going to throw some Quandre White back there to play safety and expect him to make all the checks. I don't, I don't think well, that's not going to happen. Bill says, Captain Bill here, so painful. I watched the game with Tiny Tank's bow. We keep pondering this. Will Muschamp has demonstrated history of being a very successful defensive coordinator and coach. How's our defense so bad? It makes no sense. Um, on the good side of things, at least we're not Penn State fans like our buddy Atlanta Falcons. Josh, keep up the good work on the podcast. We enjoy it. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I think that's one thing to keep in mind, too, when you're talking about the coaching search is things change. Um, and I wrote on the site, you know, very, very – you know, interesting in terms of some of these coaching changes that have been considered no-brainers. You know, Tom Herman, no-brainer for Texas on the hot seat. Willie Taggart was considered a no-brainer for Florida State. You saw that was a disaster. Jim Harbaugh, who would have thought he wouldn't have been doing well at Michigan? He's kind of in in trouble. Um, You know, Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech is in trouble. Uh, You know, you kind of look around – uh, and, and some of these guys, everybody thought great fit, great hire. It hadn't turned out that way. Meanwhile, Ed Orgeron won a national championship last year. So, you know, th- that's the thing. And, and so I, I think with Will Muschamp, you know, the defense probably hasn't evolved from a scheme standpoint. Uh, and I think also if you look at Muschamp's defense and Kirby Smart's defense and Nick Saban's defense, they're giving up points. I mean, even with talent. I mean, you, you know, you, you look at Kirby's defense against Florida, uh, Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson lit them up for 38 in the first half. Georgia has some of the best defensive talent in the country. So um, in a pandemic year where everybody's putting points on the board, you know, I'll revisit that next season, but – if this trend continues with these guys, you know, Pruitt, Kirby, Muschamp, whatever, um, I'll have to say that, you know, Saban evolved on offense at Alabama. Maybe he needs to evolve a bit more on his defense because that, that defense somehow isn't working. And, you know, I've been told it's, it's, it's way complex and that there's checks on every place, NFL-style defense. But in, in college where you have so much no huddle and spread and tempo – you know, guys can't get aligned and make the checks and all that good stuff uh, in time. Thanks, Bill. All right, so Dale says, now that Muschamp is gone, who do you predict will fill in for the rest of the season? That's Bobo. Uh, I'm a little concerned that if Bobo takes over, we'll continue to see Colin under center instead of playing Ryan or Doty while trying to prepare for the future. You are right. I can only assume that uh, letting Muschamp go – uh, comes as a showing that our season is lost and there isn't much hope. Uh, I, I think I think what, what, where the hope was lost was in the whole tenure, the whole Will Muschamp tenure. Do you agree, though, that Colin may be the better quarterback? We should move on to see who our potential starter will be next year. No, I, th- I think you need to go try to win these games because – and now look, let's say they were playing Texas A&M, LSU, and Auburn. You know the the previous three games, or or Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A and M. Um, 
I, I know that you play AM every year. It's not a run. I mean, it's, it's a game that, you know, obviously Carolina at some point needs to win. But, you know, may, maybe that's the case. You know, let's get the young guy out there, give it your shot. You're going to be underdogs in all three anyway. But it, it's not. It's Missouri, Georgia, and Kentucky. And, and to me, you don't want to – you know, South Carolina doesn't – under any circumstances, doesn't want to lose to Missouri and Kentucky ever. Uh, and Georgia's a rivalry game. So, you know, you want to play your best. And so I, I think that's, that's what you got to look at when you're talking about, you know, playing the guy that gives you the best chance to win. Lastly, if you haven't already prepared yourself for the magic question of who will be our next coach – Go ahead and get ready for it. Who will it be? Keep up the good work. You know, like I said, I, I think that when all is said and done, you're right now, right now, my guess, and this is a guess, uh, would be Billy Napier or Shane Beamer. Um, I, I do think there are other names that could come and go in terms of the job. So hang on to your hat. We're only in day two. But, you know, if I, I, like I kind of agree with the odds that they put out where they had – now they had Napier one, Freeze two, Beamer, Beamer three, one, you know, three to one, four to one, five to one. I just and I, like I said, I have the door hasn't been shut on Hugh Freeze. I just don't know from people I've talked to, they're very concerned he's not going to get past the vetting process. It's skeptical, uh, and you know maybe they're just skeptical and there's nothing, but but who knows? So that's uh, that's the deal there. All right, Philip. Hey, JC, been a couple of weeks since I've emailed in. Uh, just didn't have much to say after the last three showings of Gamecock football, but today is a new day. And I wanted to get your thoughts on coaching candidates. I haven't heard his name much, but I like Sean Elliott as head coach. I believe he would want the job. It could be the Sam Pittman hire of the year. Don't know if it's realistic, but just my opinion. Also, any chance of Bob Stoops coming out of retirement? He could be the Mac Brown of UNC. Plus, he gets to face his brother every year. Your thoughts? Keep up the good work. Hashtag JC for head coach. Uh, I'd love to take the job if I could coach. I can't coach. I'm not a coach. I don't, um, not really good with all the terminology and I, I try to learn it as best I can, but you know, uh, I don't, I don't know that, you know, you, you got to almost to be a good football coach in terms of calling plays and you have like, you got to almost think in 3d, um, uh, you know, like those, uh, directions and stuff you get when you're trying to build something from Ikea, the, the, that drives me insane. Insane. Cause they're not there. I mean, it, it's in, they're in English, but you're like, man, who wrote this and wh- who wrote, drew that diagram. And, and so it's hard, you know, some people can sit there and envision, envision it being done. Um, So, you know, that's the deal. Would Bob Stoops come out of retirement? I don't know. I think they've given him a call and just seen I, I don't see him doing that and um, as of right now. Now, things could things could change, you know. <laughs> things could change with, with that. And I think the uh, – excuse me, goodness gracious. Um, quite frankly, if Bob Seuss wanted to come out of retirement, a job where you can win eight and be good would probably be good for him. So – but I, I, I think that uh, – and and I think Sean Elliott's a guy that you know I know he his agents have been contacted to, to kind of discuss it. Um, I think he's on the list. I don't know that he'll get it, um, but uh, I tend to believe that a Sean Elliott era at South Carolina this time will be a lot different than his interim role. 
really impressed. Georgia State's a terrible job, um, and he's making it into a really good one. So uh, much respect for Sean Elliott. Thank you, Philip. Isaiah says, hey, JC, hope all is well with you. Keep up the good work. My question for you is, what are the chances USC talks to Urban Meyer about the coaching job? And if he was an interest or interested, would he be a good fit? Absolutely, he'd be a good fit, and he'd win. Um, I think, though, that, you know, based on what I've heard, I, I don't even expect Carolina to make a call because I think it'd be a waste of time. Um, I, you know, Urban, Urban's – he's a short-timer, you know. Uh, short-timer at Florida, short-timer at Ohio State uh, with his health issues and all that. I think if he gets back in – It'll be in a place like Southern Cal or Texas, and he'll go wherever they've got the best players and wherever they're close enough to winning a national title. And he'll go, and he'll try to win one at the third school, and then he's out because there's never been anyone to win it at three different places. Nick Saban, you know, when they were talking about him taking Texas uh, a few years back, that that was kind of the intrigue of – Texas is that he would have three, LSU, Alabama, Texas, but he's not leaving. And so Urban Meyer, you know, I I think would go to one of those two schools where he's got a clear path. Now, let's say Urban Meyer really loved to coach and and, and didn't mind losing, (laughs) because that's the thing, too. You would think, you know, a job like South Carolina or North Carolina or Kentucky or Hey, look, I'm not going to say Kentucky, South Carolina, Texas Tech, West Virginia, uh, North Carolina, um, Baylor, uh, those those places like that, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas. You know, you, you would think if he still just loved coaching, uh, but he didn't want like to be in a pressure cooker like Ohio State and Florida, that would be appealing to him because that that would be better on his health. But the, the problem, if you read anything about Urban Meyer or talk to anybody that wor- works with him, you know, there are some no, – no coaches take losing well. Like Steve Spurrier hated to lose, obviously. But it, it's just a – with Urban Meyer, it, it's almost – it's a psychological thing. You know, so if you're Urban Meyer – and this is, this is why I don't know that he would be a good coach in the NFL because you're going to lose – no matter how good, even if you're really good, you'll still probably lose four times on Sunday. You know, I don't think Urban Meyer could could handle losing four or five games a year uh, in, in some years out of South Carolina, Texas Tech, West Virginia, whatever. So, um, yeah. Uh, so so that's the deal there with uh, with Urban. So I, I don't think that would work out and all that. But I know, I mean, hey, shoot for the moon, right? Shoot for the moon. That actually went quicker than I thought on the mailbag here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Be sure to continue to rate this thing five stars uh, on the Apple Store. I appreciate each and every one of you. Hits that subscribe button, too. I know some of you listen to it, but don't subscribe. It, it doesn't cost any money to subscribe to the podcast, and that helps build our numbers with Apple. You can also get it on Spotify, Stitcher. It's on the thebigspur.com. Right now, bigspur.com, if you're not a VIP and you want the coaching search scoop. Uh, And I don't always promote it here because, you know, I have my podcast audience, which a lot of you are members, but a lot of you aren't. Um, 
and then I have my website on. But but I'm telling you right now, you can join for a dollar. Uh, or if, if you want to get the annual membership, it's 50% off. So it's like a hundred dollar value for like 50 bucks. Um, and we have, you know, a lot of the, the nitty gritty coaching stuff is behind the paywall, um, you know, for our members. So if you want to get out in front with a scoop, uh, you know, hit us up. It's the big part of the 24 seven sports network. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Um, like I said, bear with me on the time. I'm going to try to get it as close to the morning as possible. But like I said, I had every intention of recording when I got up today. Uh, and then I had back-to-back-to-back phone calls. Uh, and then it was press conference time, so I wanted to wait on that news so I could talk about it to see who opted out and stuff. And then here we are, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern. And I'm just now wrapping up, but I'll get you one. And I certainly appreciate each and every one of you making this the highest ranked, uh, according to pod rankings, uh, Gamecocks only podcast on the internet. That, that means a lot to me. Um, so keep those mailbag questions coming. This has been the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. JC Sherbert, have a great Tuesday, everyone. <laughs>